This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Tonight, only on Disney Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. We do, we do, Does anyone here know the lyrics? Prove it! Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version. With four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Monday, it is Masterclass. Sometimes this short form podcast provides a window into the real world history of medieval life, and sometimes it's just something that interests me. This week is a little bit of the latter in that I get to indulge into a pet theory about a very obscure character that maybe only I care about, and that is Biter. This is irregular. Uh, yes, well, I suppose that life is irregular. In our walk through Clash of Kings, we find ourselves between a Theon chapter and an Arya chapter, and I thought, what better time to argue that Biter is indeed a squisher, or perhaps a human-squisher hybrid. Yes, that is something that I just said out loud. For those of you who haven't read A Feast of Crows for a while, in the fourth Brienne chapter, this passage from Nimble Dick explains what a squisher is. This time there was no village close at hand when darkness came upon them, nor were there any trees to give them shelter. They were forced to camp amongst some rocks, fifty yards above the tide line. The rocks at least would keep the wind off. Best we keep watch tonight, milady. Crab told her, as she was struggling to get a driftwood fire lit. A place like this, there may be squishers. Squishers? Brienne gave him a suspicious look. Monsters, Nimble Dick said, with relish. They look like men till you get close, but their heads is too big, and they got scales where a proper man's got hair. Fish belly white they are, with webs between their fingers. They're always damp and fishy-smelling. But behind these blubbery lips, they got rows of green teeth as sharp as needles. Some say the first men killed them all, but don't you believe it. They come by night and steal bad little children paddling along on their webbed feet with a little squish-squish sound. The girls they keep to breed with, but the boys they eat, tearing at them with those sharp green teeth. 
He grinned at Podrick. They'd eat you, boy. They'd eat you raw. Now, before we get to Biter, I do think that this is the right space to talk a little bit about Lovecraft's influence on George Martin. I think fans of Ice and Fire are pretty used to hearing the name Lovecraft thrown around or Cthulhu mythology or something like that. But I don't want to assume that everyone has actually read the story, The Shadow Over Innsmouth. In the 1930s, Lovecraft, who don't look up his personal views on almost anything, he's a really weird guy with very non-progressive views on many, many things, but a pretty celebrated horror author nonetheless, Lovecraft writes a horror novella called The Shadow Over Innsmouth. In this story, the narrator, who is a traveler, happens upon this decrepit little town, Innsmouth, in Massachusetts. And this town happens to have a Deep Ones problem. Basically, you've got these monsters from the deep coming up and kidnapping members of the town. The town creates a cult around the worship of these deep deities and... Eventually, some members of the town began breeding with these really gross monsters. And so when you hear people talk about Cthulhu mythology and Game of Thrones, that's the gist of it. Now, Martin does include some other aspects of other Lovecraftian stories elsewhere in this series. But for the purposes of Biter and the Squishers, that's kind of what you need to know. Okay, so here's Biter's description from Arya's perspective from A Clash of Kings. Jack and Hagar says, This man has the honor to be Jack and Hagar, once of the free cities of Lorath. Would that he were home. This man's ill-bred companions, notice the term ill-bred, in captivity are named Rorge. He waved his tankard at the noseless man and Biter. Biter hissed at her again, displaying a mouthful of yellowed teeth filed to points. A man must have some name, is that not so? Biter cannot speak, and Biter cannot write, yet his teeth are very sharp, so a man calls him Biter, and he smiles. Are you charmed? All right, so that's the initial description of the ill-bred Biter. Sharp teeth, from Arya's perspective, filed to points, but could they reveal something different? The other bit of information from Arya that we should consider is a little bit later when Arya actually strikes Biter between the eyes. She was almost close enough to touch the wheel when Biter lurched to his feet and grabbed for her, his irons clanking and rattling. The manacles brought his hands up short, a half a foot from her face. He hissed. She hit him hard between his little eyes. Screaming, Biter reeled back and threw all of his weight against his chains. The link slithered and grew taut and Arya heard the creak of the old dried wood as the iron rings strained against the floorboards of the wagon. Huge pale hands groped for her while his veins bulged along Biter's arms. But the bonds held, and the man collapsed backwards. Blood ran from the weeping sores on his cheeks. The reason why that is important is that we find out that he has weeping sores on his cheeks. And some very astute fans have noticed that perhaps they're being interpreted as weeping sores when really they are gills. So it is possible that Biter has concealed his webbed feet, that his sharp yellow teeth are a nod to the sharp green teeth that Nimble Dick talks about, that the reason why he doesn't have any hair is that he used to have fish scales there. 
He doesn't talk, he only hisses, and the sores on his cheeks are indeed gills. The last little bit of information here that reminds us of Lovecraft is that in both the Lovecraftian lore and in the description of Squishers, the Deep Ones mythology includes the detail that these amphibious creatures come up on land looking for children. And of course, Arya is indeed a child, and Biter seems especially interested in her. Now, it might be helpful to keep in mind that at this early stage in the series, Martin might not have developed a Deep One's literary agenda. And it could just be that he is winking to Lovecraft with a very, very minor and obscure character, which he does from time to time. Of course, when he does that kind of stuff, it does leave open the possibility that later he might want to develop that particular literary theme. So maybe that's what happened. But when we meet Biter later in the story, I do think that Martin has decided that he's going to develop this particular theme further. So within the canon of Ice and Fire, I would say, yes, Biter is indeed a squisher or a squisher hybrid. If you have any thoughts along this topic or you would like your question answered on Masterclass, book at baldmove.com. Class dismissed. Class dismissed.